Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Amen. What a great morning of worship, huh? Nothing like getting a peek at God's glory and being able to cry out holy. Amen. Amen. Hey, good to see everybody today. Hope you've had a good week in God's Word and a good week of prayer. Uh, you know, we started a, uh, a Bible reading plan at, here at our church in the New Testament. We're going to read the New Testament through this year, which is not a, a huge commitment. It's five days of reading, one chapter uh, a day. That That's for the whole year, not just the 21 days of prayer. But uh, we have, I think we've had close to 700 people register to get the, the daily email of what to read that day. So, man, that's a lot of us. Thank you for joining us in that and all together reading God's Word. I, I trust many of you are also doing the 21 days of prayer. I, I believe we still have some some booklets, some prayer booklets for that 21 days. And you say, well, but aren't we already started? Yeah, we're like on day seven. But jump in tomorrow with day eight or start over on day one and just carry it to 21. However you want to do it, man, join us. So all together, we're clinging to Christ. Amen. All together, calling out to him. Uh, obviously, each of us individually are going to kind of bring our own prayers to some of that. But of course, the, the booklet kind of guides us and we're all together praying for some of the same things. So hope you'll take advantage of those things. And uh, again, you can get a prayer booklet out at the desk uh, today, assuming we still have them. But I know we did uh, at the end of the last hour. So you're ready to continue with me today on a journey to helplessness. Gosh, that sounds like an awful question. You know what I mean? Think about it. If somebody walked up to me and said, hey, I'd really like to, I'd really like to help you be helpless. I'd say, I'd really like you to leave. I, no, I don't, I don't need any help being helpless. I can get there all on my own. Why would we want to do that? What an awful question. Well, let's kind of place ourselves in our context, remember where we are. So last week, we looked at a story between Jesus and a Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15. And we coupled that right at the end with a teaching from Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And we kind of summed up saying, God wants you, me, he wants us to live our lives from a position of helplessness. That, that means I need, I need my weaknesses. I, I need my inadequacies. Those are the very things that make me cling to Christ. And clinging to Christ, I experience his power. I experience his wisdom. I, I experience his presence. And of course, the opposite is also true. You give me like one second where I don't feel helpless, one one second where I don't feel needy, and I've got a lifetime membership on a bullet train right back to self-sufficiency. And it's true in all of us. I love Jesus. I want to believe in Jesus. I want to depend upon I pray. But our nature, every minute of the day, is to move back to self-sufficiency to trusting in ourselves, which is not a place. doesn't mean you're an awful person, a bad person. No. But if I'm trusting in myself, I'm not going to experience his power, his presence, not going to experience his wisdom. Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. I'm confident when he said that there was a vineyard. 
They're looking at a vineyard. Everybody understands what he's saying. They're a little bit more agrarian than we are. And so they get it. The vine comes up out of the ground. It's bringing the water, the nutrients. It's sending out sustenance and life to the branches. And when the branches have a healthy connection to the vine, they're going to bear fruit. They're going to thrive. They're going to, they're going to do well. But, and no real hard to figure this out, you sever the branch The branch gets disconnected, and what happens? It dies. There's no life now. But Jesus didn't just say that. Well, look what he did, that last part of that. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I have a real tendency to believe Jesus. But I'll tell you, there's a little kickback for me on that one. I mean, I think, I can't do anything apart from Christ? You you know... I imagine all of us have people in our lives who don't love Jesus, don't believe in Jesus. Uh, they're not clinging to Jesus. But I look at their lives, and man, they're captain of the football team. They got a promotion last week. They make good grades. They, who really knows? But at least from a distance, it looks like they've got a good family life. I mean, it looks like they're doing something. And I know they're not doing that connected to Christ. So what do you mean, apart from you, we can do nothing? And I, in my mind's eye, kind of see Jesus answering with a little laugh. He's, okay, maybe I shouldn't have used the word nothing. You can do something. You, you can kick up dust and then disappear. You are completely capable, all by yourself, of, of stirring things up while you live this life. And, and some people will applaud you and say, look how well they kick up dust. Look how well they look busy. And we'll applaud you and say, you're so good and you're so great as you disappear along with your life. That you can do all by yourself. (laughs) But if you want to do something that really counts, that really means something, you want to do something that is eternal, that lasts forever, yeah, you have to be connected to me. Apart from me, you can't do anything that counts. And you know, folks, the beauty of being connected to Christ, it's not just like the big important things can last forever. Man, when I'm walking in Christ, daily, mundane, simple conversations I might not even think anything about can take on eternal value, bear eternal fruit. And so from this idea we we presented last week, hey, we're going to live our lives operating from helplessness. Next week... We're going to come back and we're going to look at what that means. Here's what you do. One, two, three. Real simple, real practical, real straightforward next week. How do I live from a life of helplessness? But what I want to do today is explore this idea of helplessness. Am I Am I really helpless? You know, I made the comment last week, and I'm sure I speak on behalf of all of us, while we have moments that can be really bad and moments where we feel helpless, I'm sure most of us don't live in helplessness every single day. I don't don't feel helpless. So when we say God wants us to operate from that, are we saying God wants me, God wants you to feel helpless every day? Because that, again, that seems kind of, I mean, awful. I mean, think of when you have felt helpless. You're sometimes scared, discouraged, depressed. Sometimes if it's, it's really overwhelming, it's actually paralyzing, right? 
I feel so helpless. I, I, I can't decide. I, I, I'm afraid to make a move. I, I'm afraid to act. And it, it can become very paralyzing. So that's where God wants me to live every single day? And the good news is, no. No, that's not where God wants you to live. As a matter of fact, in, in Christ, we're not helpless, right? So why should I be feeling helpless if I'm not helpless? But wait a minute, I'm operating from... How do you figure this out? So here's the good news. No, God is not wanting you to feel, okay? Feeling being the operative word here. What he is wanting you and I to do is live in the reality of our helplessness. There there is a reality to the fact we are all helpless, Okay? So it's not, it's not, uh, it's not feeling that way, but it is certainly being aware I am helpless and I need to guard against anything that returns me to self-sufficiency. So what I want to do today is try to understand that helplessness. What, what does that mean that I'm, I'm helpless? And, and what we're going to share is a short list. There's many things that point to our helplessness. I'm only going to talk about three. And it's three things that's true of every one of us. It's true of the beautiful and the bold, the brave and the strong, the rich and the famous. It's it's true of everybody. Whether you feel it or not, these things are true of you. So what is that helplessness you and I live in? Well, first of all, let's think physically. I'm a physical being. I have a physical life. I, I physically exist. And in that existence, I'm moving every day toward death. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. You and I are entirely powerless at the greatest problem in our life. Not that I think we need to prove that we die, but let's just go ahead and hear the Bible say it. Psalm 49, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price for his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and not see the pit. You can't buy yourself out of death. You can't buy somebody else out of death. Now, there may be other ways we think of how we resolve death, but the scripture just goes to where people tend to go first, money. Money, because, I mean, for a lot of us, we measure ability by our money. What I have or don't have, it kind of puts a definition, kind of puts the marks on what my abilities are. Hey, you have all the money in the world. You can't buy yourself out of death. Hebrews chapter 9 states it a little more simply and succinctly. You have an appointment with death and judgment. You have an appointment with death and judgment. From the moment you and I draw a breath... We are, we are moving toward death. We are moving toward judgment. Now, there's a journey to get there, right? It, it, we got all kinds of memes now, t-shirts, you know. It's not about the destination. It's about the, it's about the journey. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Unless the journey ends up meaningless. Let, let's think, I've, I've just drew a breath. And now I'm on my way. I'm on my way to that appointment. I might get there in 15 years. I might get there in 88 years. Boy, the 15 stands out, doesn't it? It always bothers us. It's always awkward, uncomfortable to think about a young person dying. But I would suggest that the second, no, the millisecond that we step into eternity, how long it took you to get there is utterly irrelevant. 
You know what the difference between 15 and 88 is in eternity? It can't be measured. It's so small. It's so negligible. It, it doesn't even matter. That is hard to process on this side because there's a huge difference between 15 and 88. But the muck. The moment you get to that appointment, absolutely irrelevant whether it took you 15 years to get there or 88 years to get there. Maybe you get there uh, wealthy, successful, lived a good life. Maybe you get there, and man, I tell you what, every day was a struggle. In, in and out of poverty, everything was a challenge. Maybe you get there, and man, you just loved and loved by all. Popular, had family, had friends, had, had all. Maybe you get there and man, you would describe your journey as kind of lonely. You felt very alone in a lot of this journey. Think of all the ways we describe the journey, all, all the ways we describe a life. And I would suggest to you that by and large, the moment you get to death, it all becomes irrelevant. It all becomes meaningless. We devote so much energy and attention. It just doesn't matter. You die. And for 99% of us will not be remembered. Oh, I mean, yeah, the day after and maybe even a generation after, but you're all, you're all moving toward not being remembered. The biggest problem in your life, and you can't do one thing to stop it, control it. Not the day, not the way. Wait a minute, not the day. What, what about somebody who kills themselves? Were, they were in control of the day and the way. You ever been where that's just happened? I have the feeling of control is not what fills that home. Actually, I'd probably call that one of the greatest moments of being completely out of control. We're not in control of the day. We're not in control of the way. We can do nothing about the biggest problem in our lives except pretend like it's not there and have fun on the journey. Hey, I'd rather have fun than not, right? So physically, we're powerless in this life. We are powerless at holding on to what we have. And then, are you feeling good about yourself? All right, because it gets worse. It's going to keep getting worse, so just hold on. Uh, It's not a long sermon, praise the Lord. Number two, spiritually. Okay, physically, I said you're going to die. Spiritually, congratulations, you're already there. You're dead. You are spiritually dead. Now, a little pause here. That is not actually a statement true for everybody in the room or everybody watching online. Hey, we're all going to physically die, but we're not all spiritually dead. Some of us have been born again. Yeah, right? I'm spiritually dead, but I placed my faith and trust in Christ and I came back to spiritual life. So I'm not, I'm not spiritually dead today, but we all had life in that existence of being spiritually dead and we're dead because of sin romans six twenty three says the wages the product uh the consequences of sin for you as an individual for humanity as a whole is that we are spiritually dead ephesians 2 1 says you are dead not going to be you are dead in your trespasses and sins now let, let's under 
understand this, and I think a lot of us do, but just, just for clarity. So I'm a physical being, you're a physical being. That gives us a physical life, physical existence, and we can relate in a physical world. Because you're a physical being and I'm a physical being, we can see each other, we can hear each other, we can touch each other. Our physicalness allows for all this. I can do things in a physical life that has physical value. Okay, now take out the word physical and put spiritual. You, I, we were also created to be spiritual beings. We were also created to relate with, that's right, see, touch, here, we were, we were created to relate in a spiritual realm, primarily with God. But that part of me died. It died in sin. And that's why Jesus says you need to be born again. No, not another physical birth. You need a spiritual birth. That part of you needs to come back to life. But without Christ, I, I am spiritually dead. I can't think of a better picture of being helpless than being dead i would imagine a lot of us have been to a funeral we've been to the viewing the viewing we've we've seen that body that's pretty helpless isn't it i mean they like literally cannot lift a finger no power no ability they can no longer do anything of physical value okay again take out the word physical and put the word spiritual I may be walking around, and I may look good when I'm walking around, but I can be spiritually dead. That means entirely powerless, completely unable to relate in the spiritual realm, to do anything of a spiritual value. I, I cannot be holy. I cannot be righteous. I cannot be like God. I am powerless to fix this problem. So let, let's just put these two together now. I am powerless to hold on to this life, and I am powerless to prepare for the next life. Again, feeling pretty good about yourself? Understand, you can be very pretty in that status. You can be very successful in that status, but you are powerless. And that's the third point. You're just powerless, period. You, you are powerless at holding on to anything in your life. You can't hold on to today. You can't hold on to tomorrow. You can't hold on to anything today or tomorrow holds. Now, by God's grace and by God's kindness, he lets us hold on to things, right? I, I mean, you and I, we, I mean, we all know I could die tomorrow. None of us are counting on that. We, we get so many tomorrows because God is kind. And in the abundance of our tomorrows, we start to act like, I mean, they're mine. I own tomorrow. I, I have a right to tomorrow. And we start playing the odds that tomorrow and everything in it is mine. You realize you're just trusting in God's grace. There's a term theologically called common grace. Okay, there's efficacious grace. That's what saves us. Common grace is just God's kindness to all people. Whether you're a good person or a bad person, God sends rain on your fields. You're a good person or a bad person, you get a tomorrow. Okay, so that's just God's kindness. And do you realize we're using his grace, we're using his kindness to puff up how strong and capable we are. 
We're, we're using his grace to say, I own tomorrow and I own everything in it. But listen to how the Bible challenges us here. James chapter, and I think I've got five up here. I think it's actually chapter four. Sorry about the typo. Uh, come now, you who say, that's you and me. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a town and we'll spend a year there and we'll trade and make profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? And this refers to what we've already talked about. You're a mist. You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I like the word mist. Sometimes the word is mist. Sometimes the Bible uses the word dew or even fog. You know, mist, dew, fog. Those are real things, right? If you catch it at the right moment, you can touch it. You can feel it. It's there. It's real. But boy, the sun comes up. And in a matter of seconds, it's like it was never there. And it, it doesn't water anything. It, it, it doesn't feed anything. It doesn't help anything. The sun burns and it is gone. It was like it was never there. And that passage just said, that, that's our life. You know, I was, I, that passage made me think. I look back on 2022. I think I, I, think, I, think I batted 1,000 in 2022. I, I think all my plans, every whether I was planning a day out or six months out, I think everything I planned, it, it happened. Man, I'm good. <laughs> you know, you keep getting tomorrows and you keep getting plans that come together. It's just hard not to think, look what I've done. It's God's grace. It's God's grace that there's a tomorrow and that any of my plans come to fruition. Let me, let me give you kind of one more way to think about this. There's nothing in your life, there's nothing you hold that you can't lose before you return to church next Sunday. Now, immediately we start to run the odds and say, well, that's not, that's not entirely true. I can't imagine losing my marriage by next Sunday. I really can't. I'm just going to go with the odds on that. And I, well, now that I've got started, there's probably a hand. There's nothing you can't lose before you get to church next Sunday. You can lose your health. You can lose your looks. You can lose your friends. You can lose your job. You can lose your money. You can lose your family. You can lose every bit of this. You say, how? You know, you stop and think about it. Probably not all of us, but I imagine a number of us, we've seen that happen to somebody. We were with them on one day, everything's right and good, normal plans, summer vacation, starting to work on that, just doing life. And then there was what? There, there, there was that accident. There was that report. And, and all of a sudden, everything just entirely changed. And usually what stands out in our mind is when it changes for the negative, when, when it changes for the, the worse. Your, your life could be entirely redefined by what you lose this week. I think we all go, yeah, okay, logically that is true. But we play the odds. The odds are tomorrow's coming. I know what I'm doing at 7 in the morning. I got some errands I need to run after that. I, I got a plan what I'm doing. I got my checklist. Remember you talking about my checklist? And I tell you what, I feel pretty good. I'm going to accomplish my checklist tomorrow. I have no control over anything but that God's grace lets me have tomorrow and all that it will hold. 
That's my reality. That is your reality. But you know what? There is one thing. I'm sorry. There's one thing. If you hold on to it today, you can still have it next week, no matter what happens, no matter what you lose. Jesus Christ. You, you can lay hold of Jesus and ever have to fear losing that. Now, you know the funny thing about that? Do you know when you lay hold of Jesus? When you acknowledge your helplessness. Look up here, Romans 5, 6. Hey, we're, we're used to quoting Romans 5, 8, aren't we? Right, right? God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. But look what jumps up two verses before that. For while we were still, that word weak means powerless, helpless, unable. That's when Christ died for the ungodly. And you know, a lot of us in here, at least that's my assumption, a lot of us, many of us in here, many of us watching online right now, we know that, don't we? We know that. And there was a place in our life where that truth hit us, and we realized, I can't solve my sin, I can't solve death, I can't solve hell, and we turned from trusting in ourselves, and we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I became a child of God. I was, I was born again. I've got God's love and forgiveness. I've got heaven. And, and that's true for loves. And we know, we know I didn't do that. What my work, what my ability, it was God. I was helpless, but I trusted in Christ. Amen. But then a mistake that every one of us makes. Now I'm not saying we all make it the same way or for the same amount of time, but it is a continual, constant temptation in our life. A mistake we all make is we rise up from that moment of salvation. We rise up from that moment of great dependence and we go right back to self-sufficiency. I, I, go, I go right back to, I got, I got to work through this problem. I got to work through this day. I got to deal with this, we'll just say person. <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm going to trust in, I'm going to trust in my network. I'm going to trust in my ideas. I'm going to trust in how smart I am. I'm, I'm going I'm to work it out. You, do you know we even carry our self-sufficiency into the Christian life? I bet more than one person here said, you know what, in 2023, I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going I'm to read the Bible more. I'm going to get this signed up for that reading plan. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be, I'm going to be nicer until a person who doesn't deserve it walks by. <laughs> I mean, we get in our mind what I'm going to do. Man, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because I love God. I love God. I really do want to do this. And I go right back to self-sufficiency. You know, there's a great verse. Folks, it, I didn't even put it on the screen. And it's probably the verse that is kind of the, the thread through this whole thing. Colossians 2.6 it says, as you received Christ, how did you receive Christ? By recognizing your sinfulness, by recognizing your helplessness. As you received Christ, so continue in him. Folks, my need for Christ is not just on the day of my salvation, but every single day thereafter. It's not like, okay, I got the really big thing resolved. Everything else kind of small. Well, hey, we'll trade off, God. You do some, I'll do some. <laughs> No, every day thereafter, we cling to Christ. 
And, and that verse, and, and I think where we are now in the last two sermons, all of this developed out of that statement that, that Paul Miller made. Paul Miller, remember the book, A Prayer Life? Uh, we're, we, we've got that out there available if you want to buy that. This is a book. Took a whole bunch of things I already knew, but then connected all these dots like I was seeing something new for the first time. And so we've got a verse, a verse I knew, a verse I've memorized. As you've received Christ, so continue to walk in Him. Yeah, that's cool. Paul Miller said it this way, and it was like, oh, helplessness. That's how the Christian life is lived. Not a feeling. Not a feeling of miserable, awful, I can't do anything, I can't make it. No, it's not a feeling, but it's recognizing a reality. I'm absolutely out of control. I don't own anything. I don't control anything. I can't hold on to this life. I can't prepare for the next life. But by the grace of God, but by His wisdom, His power, and by His strength, helplessness is how the Christian life works. And isn't it good news to know there is a Psalm 22, verse 19 says, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Psalm 54, verse 4, Behold, God is my helper. He's my helper. Isaiah 41, It is I who say to you, Fear not, I'm the one. Who helps you? I'm the one who helps you conquer sin and death and hell. I'm the one who will help you navigate that difficult relationship. I'm the one who can breathe life and hope and the ability to try again into that. I'm the one who will give you the strength for today. Hey, I'm the one who will help you walk with me. I'm the one who will help you become like me. I'm the one. Look what Jesus said. And I will ask the Father, and He will send you another helper. Look at that verse, folks. The entire triune Godhead is lined up to help you. No wonder we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. You know, as I read all those verses, something jumps out at me. It's not just that God can help me. It's not just that God is willing to help me. It's not just that God busies himself with the activity of of helping. No, it's more than that. It's his character. That the character of God is a helper. That's kind of funny. Most of us don't want to be a helper. I want to be a boss man. I want to tell helpers what to do. God owns the title. God says, this is what I am. This is who I am. I am your your helper. Why would we not want that? Folks, do you recognize the incredible river of arrogance and pride that runs through us? You know, people around you may say, oh, not that, that person's shy. That person's quiet. They're unassuming. There's no human that's walked on this earth. Not one. That is not constantly battling 
great arrogance and great pride, great self-sufficiency. That's why I say, hey, listen, I don't want failures and I don't want inadequacies and I don't want weaknesses. But without them, I just trust in me. That's why sometimes, it doesn't mean I can say, hey, God, could you get me out of this weakness? But maybe right before that, we say, God, thank you for the weakness, for without it, I would not cling to you. I'd like to think coming to Christ changes all that. I, I don't, you know, folks, I've talked to so many people that, that make this very common statement. You know, that, that usually what's happened, they've come to me for, for prayer or counseling, some, some kind of help. And uh, over a hundred times, more times than I can, I've heard somebody say this. And guys, ugh, about 9.5 times out of 10, it's a man who's going to say this. You know, I'm, you know, and of course they're getting ready to tell me something, but, but then they'll start by saying, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those that's bothering God all the time. I'm not one of those that's taken to God every little thing. You know, they're, they're trying to clarify that it's kind of special that they're, they're coming to God for just this one thing. And I used to listen to that and smile. I'll be honest with you, and I'm just saying this as a warning because it's really awkward because I'm going to call you out now. Because when you say, you know, I'm just not one of those that's always bothered. I'm, I'm just going to look at you and say, you know, all you just did was give testimony to the arrogance and pride that runs in your life. What you just told me is you have no need for God in your daily life. But now you're going to tell me how you want God's help for something. And it's a special deal. You know, folks, there's no prize for being strong. There's a great prize for being dependent. There's no prize for being strong. There is a great prize for being dependent. Nowhere in the Bible do you see God say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to help you because I'm a helper. I'd like to get you to about right here. But man, somewhere I want to see you kind of pick up the ball and go with it yourself, right? Nowhere. Nowhere do you see that. God's not looking for what you can be on your own. He's looking for what you can be as a branch. Completely thriving off the vine. Living only there for any hope of today. Why? Why would I not cling to the one for whom nothing is possible? Why would I not cling to the one who perfectly understands yesterday, perfectly understands today, and perfectly understands tomorrow? You don't understand yesterday perfectly. As a matter of fact, some of you look back on yesterday and just make it worse in how you work through it. You barely got a grasp on today. You don't know anything about tomorrow. I get to cling to one who knows all that. Why would I not want that answer? Because I'm incredibly self-sufficient. And it is a sin. And it will not help you love or follow or obey Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I would, I would pray that for, for myself, for all of us in here, everybody watching online, would, would you... Open our eyes as we walk through this week. And even as I pray that, God, I'm trusting in your grace. I'm trusting that we all have a week in front of us. Don't actually know that. 
But, but God, as we look out to this week, I pray you would open my eyes, our eyes. Let us see all the places we never discuss with you. All the places we never wonder what you would think, what you would do. All the places we don't depend upon you. God, I, oh, would you overwhelm all of us? And I can pray that because you're kind and you're loving. But would you absolutely overwhelm us this week with all the places we never consider looking to you? Even as we think we trust in you for everything. May, may we see the sin, God. And I pray our heart is drawn to cling to the one for whom nothing is possible. What an opportunity. What an opportunity I have this week. Just to cling to you. In Jesus' name, amen.